0: How you doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day, and hopefully one day soon, a true proletarian revolution. But until we get to that day, I am your host, Josh And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thanks for stopping by. Um, For those of you who this is your first time checking out the show, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I uh, should admit first and foremost that I am driving, and so there will be some background noise, um, and I do apologize for that. Um, if this is you coming back, you're checking out the show again, you enjoyed it one time and, you know, it wasn't so, so terrible that you'd be willing to listen to another episode, I appreciate that as well because that means a lot. That means that my content was informative and entertaining enough, uh, to make you click on my, uh, page again. So that's pretty cool. Um, if for, um... Whatever reason you folks would like to reach out to me, because um, you like the show, you want to ask questions, you want to tell me I'm a stupid, dirty commie who should kill themselves, anything you know that you want to say to me, um, you can reach out to me by following me on my social media, uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and DMing me on there. Uh, or you could email me. Uh, I have an email set up. It's in defense of liberation at gmail.com. No caps or spaces or special characters. Um, and like I said, hit me up uh, if you want to have a guest on, if you want me to discuss a certain topic, please reach out. Um, this show is meant to be an interactive one. Uh, this is supposed to be an educational tool for those of us who, uh, for whatever reason, think that the shit that comes out of my mouth is educational. Um, but, you know, I can only talk about so much shit and looking at my kind of, uh, episode list, um, I'm starting to get to a point where I'm repeating myself a lot, which is okay because I think... As socialists and as communists, we have to recognize that a lot of our points, we have to re-solidify time and time again to people because, you know, Marxism is not common knowledge. The shit that we're trying to teach and uh, that I'm trying to talk about on this show, it wasn't common knowledge to me, I can tell you that much, and I am actively learning along with you folks. So, again, if I fuck up, if you want to reach out and say, hey, you said this, but this was wrong you know, that's what this show is for. Um, I want to learn together. I want to start cultivating uh, more forms of education like that, that are intended to not only um, reach a wide audience in the sense of it is meant to be listened to by many people I want it to be connecting with people I want people to be reaching out and telling me their own experiences I want people to be reaching out and expressing how it is that capitalism uh, colonialism or imperialism have affected their own lives and I want to hear what people find is important I want to hear what people find they have questions about um, because this will not only help me um try to you know get the show on a uh, a good path where we're you know e- educating folks on what they want to be educated about but also it it you know incentivizes me to learn more it gives me more uh first person accounts to discuss and to kind of mull over um and it also helps us to connect with one another cuz that's a another desperately needed thing um by many of us especially during this pandemic is connection to people so if our connection has to come through a podcast that you know you like that you can email me and we can talk about the stuff that you want to talk about and we can you know, ask each other questions and stuff like that. That's precisely what the show is for. That's what I'm here for. And that's what I think we all need to be here for is that connection, building that solidarity and building those networks of kind of connectivity that lead to more education um, and kind of an environment which replicates itself. More education, more connection, more connection, more education type shit. So yeah, um, that's really all I wanted to say about the show because, you know, I just feel that it's important that if I'm going to make this show, if I'm going to do all this shit, that it actually go to people and that people actually enjoy it and that it's a useful tool. So again, please reach out. It would mean a lot. Um, So yeah, now that we kind of got that off the top, um, I would like to discuss today even though, you know, it's a pretty common topic for many, and I've discussed it myself before, I want to go into a conversation about why I and many others believe that socialism is the ticket to solving the issues which many of us are facing today. Um, so there's a few things I want to cover, um, But I want to start off with mentioning some great resources to check out. So, first and foremost, Hakim on YouTube. That's spelled H-A-K-I-M. Please, please, please check out his content. um, Because he recently put out a video, uh, yesterday actually... Um, discussing this very topic, discussing why socialism is rational based on statistical evidence and research. But Hakeem himself, um, you know, I'm fairly new to his uh, content, but everything that I've watched is so easily understood. And I mean, like, anything that he's talking about, it's very clear that he is incredibly well researched. Uh, He understands the the material that he's trying to present, and he understands it well enough to explain it in a way that I feel just about anybody could understand. So that's really incredible. Um, You can also check out uh, Rev Left Radio. Um, They actually just did an episode together, which I think is another great resource for this topic. Um, Hakeem and Rev Left Radio, I should say. Um, and I mean, really, I know some folks don't enjoy books, but you could check out "Socialism, Scienti- uh, Utopian and Scientific" by Frederick Engels, um, just to kind of get a little bit more of a broad understanding. You can all of cap- of capitalism, I should say. Uh, you can also check out the Marxist Projects, uh, Marxism 101 videos. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of other resources that you can reach out to me for. Um, but those are some of the ones that pop into the top of my head. Um, but socialism is a incredibly misunderstood um, idea, theory... Um, science, etc. Socialism, right, is quite commonly misrepresented even by those who claim to be socialists. And that's why it's important that we have these conversations time and time again because especially in imperial core countries, the democratic socialism, or the social democracy, which is commonly uh, what is meant when the word socialism is used, is purely not socialism, plainly. It is just simply not. The socialism that folks like Lula in Brazil, the socialism like, for example, um, the Nordic model represents, um, in places like, uh, the Netherlands, Finland, etc. Um, where capitalism is fused with some social wages, we could call them, like healthcare or guaranteed paid time off, um paternal and maternal leave, um, rights within society, for example, abortion rights, uh, things of that nature, all of those are fed into a capitalist system basically so that they can give you a little bit bigger slice of the pie, but at the end of the day, you're the one baking it, they're taking seven slices, and you're taking the eighth. And that's where social democracy brings us. Instead of them getting 7.75 slices of pie, we up it to they only get 7. But at the end of the day, they own the pie, they own all the ingredients, they own the oven, and they own you. So socialism needs to be clearly understood. So we need to express here A... What socialism is and B what socialism intends to create. And B.2 or I guess you could say even C is we have to clarify, and Hakeem made a great point of this in his podcast with Brett, we have to clarify what our goals are. So what is socialism? Socialism is a Attempt and a process by which the working and oppressed people of a society overthrow the former bourgeois ruling class in order to place what we call the means of production, which are easily understood as everything that is required to produce a commodity, such as resources, such as refineries, such as factories and transportation equipment, machinery, etc., but also and especially the labor force of a society. The labor force being the ability of a given society to produce X amount of something and that being owned by a minority and controlled by a small and select wealthy elite group ultimately leads towards the labor force Being exclusively used to benefit the ruling class. Whereas a socialist system, right, puts the means of production in the hands of the state. But the state is wholeheartedly different than what we understand the state as today. So through a revolutionary movement towards socialism, the ruling class state that we have today, so the government, the laws, the legislative committees, the police department, the military, the education, etc., right, is all controlled and determined by that same small elite class. And that small elite class uses The state, which is clearly defined by many, including Lenin, as a... It is a tool by which the... Excuse me. Lost my quote here. But anyways, um... The state is a tool by which one class suppresses another. Um... I wanted to do a direct quote. And now I feel fucking stupid because I didn't have it. Anyways, um, so the state is a tool by which one class is able to suppress another. Now, this is why the state is a difficult question, even on the left, because very few of us understand the state in its philosophical sense. Now, I'm not meaning to say in its abstract idealist sense but I'm meaning to say in its most pure and basic form. Because if we look at the state as it existed when Lenin was writing in Russia versus the state today in the United States versus the state in 1800s Germany or Prussia It looks entirely different. Even the the states at the time between Prussia, Austria, Hungary, etc. All looked very different. And that's because at the end of the day, the state, just like anything else, is not a rigid being. It is not a static being. It does not stay the same everywhere it exists and forever where it exists. It changes. It reforms itself, etc., So the state, in its most pure and basic form, is a mechanism or a tool, again, by which one class suppresses another. So when we are talking socialism, when we are talking a socialist state, and when we're talking that the means of production go into the ownership of the state, we have to understand that that state is to look 100% different than it looks right now. We are to, as Marx and Engels make clear in the Communist Manifesto, not simply lay hold of the ready-made state machinery and wield it for our own use. We cannot just simply implant ourselves in the Senate or become the president or become a member of the UN Assembly, Right? And expect that in this way We are going to be able to change The very nature of the state No In order to change the very nature of the state The state has to be dissolved It has to be demolished And from its ashes It needs to be reborn In the essence of socialism Whereas the state today exists in the essence of capitalism. So what's capitalism versus socialism? Well, the easiest way to understand it, first and foremost, as we already discussed, would be who owns the means of production. Under capitalism, the rich, wealthy, and elite, 1% as we commonly refer to them as, even though they are far, far less than 1% of the population. Uh, the minute group of elites gets to control not only the means of production, but what they're used for, what they're produced for. So under a capitalist system, right, we know that profit is the main mode of production in the sense that, and I guess I shouldn't even use those words, but Profit is the reason why we produce things under capitalism. We produce things because we are going to sell them, and we are going to sell them for more than we paid to produce them. The only issue is we, you and I, the working class people who actually produce those goods, who are the ones who are driving the cargo ships and the trucks, right? We're the ones in the warehouses and the distribution centers, packing up the trucks and unloading the trucks. We're the ones unloading the boxes and putting them in the store. We're the ones working the store and selling the products. And yet, where does that profit go? It goes to the capitalist class. It goes to the ruling class. Because under our system, you have an owning class. One way that we refer to the ruling class. And you have a working class. Now... The owning class, of course, by its very name, owns the means of production. So they're not just going to give us the profit. That would be nonsensical. They would lose money. They would lose their ability to own the means of production. Because as capitalism progresses, it requires more and more. Now, that doesn't just mean that it's going to produce more and more. That means it requires more and more capital to produce things. Excuse me, because over time, the very, 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 very wealthy and elite minority ruling class concentrates itself. Every five to 10 years, right, you see these huge mergers of banking corporations, of Military contracting firms. And that's because over time, you can't have a 100 players producing the same goods. Eventually, somebody's going to lose out. And now if they don't want to fall down into the working class, they're going to make an attempt to merge with someone or some company that is larger than them so that they can remain a part of the ruling class. But every time that happens, fewer and fewer hands actually are holding on to the means of production. While there might be many who have a stake or stock in those means of production, there are very, 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 very few and fewer every few years who actually materially own those products, those who actually own capital. (coughs) So why is this important? Well, because Marx and Engels and many others since then have realized that the theories of socialism for a long time have been purely obsolete. They've been ignorant. They have been incapable of solving the societal problems which they set out to solve in the first place, let alone the economic problems and especially let alone the very essence of society, which has remained an exploitative one between two distinct classes. So during the 17 and 1800s, there was much of what we might call utopian socialism. So these were socialisms, these were theories that came out, which were utopias. We have society a certain way. We don't want it to be a certain way. Here's how it could be better. This is how we would like it. And this is where I want to take the discussion of socialism to the scientific side, right? And we've also discussed this on the podcast, but I think it's important to go over time and time again. Marx and Engels, right? I mentioned the book earlier in the show. They wrote a book. Together, Marx co-edited <clears throat> Anti-During, which the last part ended up being taken out and being made into its own pamphlet, which we now know as Socialism, Utopian, and Scientific. Uh, that book, along with many of Marx and Engels' theories, expounded upon the idea that there is plainly a reality in front of us, right? We can... Dream, And we can theoretically come up with a society, right, which is truly egalitarian, which is intended to actually provide for all of society. The issue becomes, and many of us have found this in having a nice idea of how we want to live our lives, what jobs we want to get, what kind of life we want to live, and then trying to implant that into reality and seeing that it's not actually a possibility. The same goes for the utopian socialisms. And this is precisely what Marx and Engels meant to point out, was the fact that these socialisms did not add up to the material reality. They were great ideas, but you can't simply take a great idea and just implant it into society. That's not how it works. How are you going to convince the ruling class who is in that position because of the very exploitation that a capitalist and bourgeois society creates, how are you going to convince those people to give up their power, to give up their wealth, and to give up their privilege so that everybody can have everything they need? How are you going to do that? Who's going to make them do that? Because guess what? Again, they're the people in power. They're the ones making the laws. They control the military. They control the police department. They control the economy. They control the education. Who the fuck is going to make them do it? So when we're talking socialism, folks, we got to be talking scientific. Because there is a direct relationship of exploitation between the working class and the ruling class. The reason why we exist in the position that we exist in as the oppressed people is because the ruling class is oppressing us that's not our choice this is not just the way the world is this is a conscious and direct effort made by the ruling class on a day-to-day basis but it's not just because they're evil assholes it's because capitalism and the system that it has created requires such a relationship and this is why we want to talk scientific because if you look at the very foundation of capitalism, which Marx and Engels did so, so, so well in very many of their texts, but especially um, Das Kapital, that is the most naked and barefaced scientific analysis of capitalism that has ever existed now many people have tried to rewrite das kapital so to show the way in which capital has reformed itself and reorganized itself and this is great but i think we're forgetting that the reason why marx and engels wrote that was not to specifically talk about one form of capitalism but to talk about the scientific nature of capitalist production. So first and foremost, they go into the discussion of a commodity. A commodity is something that is easily understood as a product which has both a use value and an exchange value. So what, what the fuck does that mean? Well, you're not going to produce something that nobody's going to want to buy, and nobody's going to want to buy something that they can't use, that doesn't have a purpose or a need. So we produce things that meet a need. Now, is that need really always necessarily like a life or death need? No. But the need comes through the relationship that exists. And uh, let me expound on that for a second. What I mean is the shit that we are convinced that we need is because we live in a consumer society. So our quote-unquote needs become amalgamous with interests and wants and consumption, right? Because we live in a capitalist society, we have a capitalist mode of production. So, you have the use value. The use value being, fucking somebody wants it. So we're going to produce it so somebody can buy it. The exchange value, of course, is only understood at the point of exchange. So a commodity has a certain value, both of its use and its exchange. What it can be exchanged for, how much it is worth, is measured in the given form of trade. So that's kind of confusing. I'm kind of making it more complicated than it needs to be, even though it is really fucking complicated. If you're confused about use and exchange value, I, again would implore you to check out the Marxist Project's video on uh, Marxism 101 talking about capitalist production, right? But the commodity is produced under a capitalist system for the sake of profit. Whereas, under a socialist system, the mode of production becomes not that of profit, but that of the needs of the people. Why? Well, under a capitalist system, the very, 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 very rich people who get to dominate over society because they're so rich, produce things so that they can become more rich, and they can exploit more people so they become not only richer in just the very value of goods that they own, but by exploiting the shit out of the workers, you make the workers that much less wealthy, and therefore your wealth increases in relation to that as well. The more wealth that there is in the hands of fewer and fewer people the more poverty that exists for more people. Because as the pies are being made every single time less and less of the slices are going towards the people. And because as we discussed earlier as capitalism progresses fewer and fewer hands actually hold on to the means of production all that money, all that wealth is going to fewer and fewer people, which means more and more people have to try to split the very crumbs that are tossed down from the table to us. So socialism, again, is when the workers, the actual working and oppressed people, you and me, are in ownership of the means of production. And this is done through the creation of what we know as the dictatorship of the proletariat. Again, this is a scary word. This is a scary phrase for many of us. But what it means is what we were discussing earlier. Instead of the state being controlled by a very select and minute few, the state is directly operated by us. We, everyone, as many people as can get involved, are conscious enough to get involved, and are willing to voluntarily get involved, will administrate the government ourselves. We will not be controlled or told what to do by a power outside of us. We will be directly in charge of what is produced, what it's produced for, where it's produced, where it goes once it's produced. But we will also be in charge of the economy, meaning we get to plan why production happens. We get to plan what commodities we produce. We get to plan what the profits are going to go towards. We are in control of the social services, which means that we can use the profits to give people health care. We can use the profits to give people uh, uh, proper housing. We can use the profits to give people food subsidies. So everyone as a human being who requires food in their stomach to live actually gets it because they're fucking human beings. Um, we are in control of the laws, we are in control of the legislation, we are in control of the government, we are in control of the education, we are in control of the military and the police, because, and, and that is up until the point that the military and police can be abolished, which is a goal, <clears throat> but those, just like the state, need to be used as a tool not only for revolution, but then for revolutionary defense against the onslaught of reaction to come. So we discussed, of course, the rationale of capitalism being for profit, whereas the rationale for socialism being the people, the people's needs. And that is because no longer is there an elite group in control, but there's the people directly in control. So if you want health care... You've got to figure out how to get it for yourself. You've got to figure out, along with the rest of the people in our society, how to actually provide for ourselves. This is what the Bolsheviks had to do as soon as they had a revolution. 10 uh, Days That Shook the World by John Reed is a great book to learn about how socialism really works, which is it's not the, uh, you know, the red fash, the authoritarian state that the anarchists, the leftists, and then the capitalists all team up to say that it is. Because that's idiotic, you know. Uh, Michael Parenti says it very clear. If we're if we're pro, you know, uh, uh, authoritarian, if we are uh, red fascists, then why do we always side with the uh, oppressed? Why do we always side with the working and suffering people? If we're if we're so about power, right? If socialists and communists and Marxists, especially. They just want to be able to be in control of the state for themselves. Why the fuck do we always fight on the side of the people who are the most struggling people? Seems like a very poor strategy if we just want power. So we talked about the rationale. We talked about how socialism is not democratic socialism. It's not capitalism, right? It it is socialism, Socialism being when the workers overthrow the ruling class and it's the rule of the many over the few instead of the few over the many. This is done through the abolition of private property, where individuals or individual groups can own the land, can own the resources, can own the labor force, <coughs> can dominate and control the market. This no longer is the case. This is done by the state. And again, the state being the dictatorship of the proletariat. The masses. The fucking oppressed and working people themselves in control, yo. Like, ah! It's so hard sometimes to get people to understand that it's wholeheartedly different, but it is. And if it isn't, right, if we have accusations against ways in which socialism has been uh, uh, participated in in certain countries, right, let's look at the outside powers and the way that capitalism, colonialism, and imperialism fuck up socialist and communist attempts at redeveloping society. Even national liberation and nationalism or nationalization of resources can't even be done. That's because they're still in fucking power. So if we actually want shit to change, we got to fucking overthrow those motherfuckers. We got to get rid of them. We got to make a conscious and material and disciplined attempt to eradicate everything that they've created, including the relationship of exploitation that they've created, through the dictatorship of the proletariat, through the use of the state, which is a tool that is used by one class over another to suppress the dominated class. Now, again, we might not like this, but there's a reality in front of us, and that is if we have a revolution and then we just go, cool, we don't got to do the shit you told us anymore. You know what they like to do? Fucking kill us. Read Washington Bullets from the early 1900s through to 2019 and 2020 when the CIA with other powers tried to overthrow Bolivia, tried to overthrow Venezuela, right? This is still happening. When you try to even nationalize shit like in Syria and Iran and Iraq, they fucking kill you. It's not so simple to say that like Okay, we don't want to do this shit because it's bad. We don't want to be like them. We don't like violence, etc., etc. I get it. I get it. I really, really do. But they'll fucking kill you. There's a kid in Egypt right now. And I shouldn't say kid. He's like 30-something years old. I can't think of his name right now, but I'll I'll, I'll find it, and I'll probably post it at the end in a little clip, but whatever. I believe his name is Abdil. Uh, excuse me here, I gotta go back. I uh, uh Abdel Fata el-Sisi, um, I believe is the activist I'm thinking of. He was a part of the Arab Spring protests and he has been in and out of prison now for 10 years. Of those 10 years, they had him in isolation, which is 23 hours of, uh, social deprivation where you are forced to stay in a cell all by yourself, all away from people, again, 23 hours a day. He has been in and out of solitary confinement for about six of the around 10 years that he has been in prison. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the um, Egyptian uh, state participates quite well uh, with Israel in the United States in the oppression of the Palestinians. Um because they actually block off another way out of the, I believe it's the Gaza Strip, um, into North Africa for the uh, Israelis. So, Egypt actually has quite a history of uh, repression uh, by the state against protesters and you know, this is just one example where I believe all that this person did was make agitprop and post on social media about what the Egyptian state was doing. And they accused him of spreading false information and I think domestic terrorism. Um And that's, you know, as we know with Joe Biden and his domestic terrorist act and, and how he's asking people to turn in anarchists and shit like that. It's a real possibility here in the United States. And there is an incredible amount of political imprisonment, uh, not only historically, but currently in the United States. So you have to understand that we can't just do this shit because it sounds like a good idea. And then just expect that once we do it, people are just going to be like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess we'll just stick with this. No, there's massive militarized armies uh, of, you know, economic, political, and social repression, which will just fucking murder us. So if we want to do something about that. We kind of have to take care of that before they can kill us, if I can say that. Um. Okay, so we discussed that. And <clears throat> we've gone over also how under a system such as this, fewer and fewer people are left to be able to be in control of everything. And that, in and of itself, should be a problem. Um, The Supreme Court in the United States is like fucking, I think, 11 people. There's like 360 million people. Excuse me, I'm outdoors, I hope you can hear me. If not, let me repeat myself. The Supreme Court has, I believe, less than, I can at least say it's less than 15 people. Um, And yet there's like 360 million people in the United States. And these motherfuckers are the law of the land. Um, But even they, of course, as we know, are not necessarily the ones who are pulling the strings, so to say, not on some Illuminati shit, but in realizing that their ultimate role is to serve the interests of capital. Um, That is what the United States exists for, that's what the state exists for, of every ruling class, capitalist, bourgeois society. So we have to understand then that, again, if we want to do something about that, we kind of got to get rid of those motherfuckers. So, in having discussed all of this, we need to also talk about how. How are we going to do this? So, of course, there is plenty of historical examples of how revolutions of the past have been organized, how they have achieved their goals or not achieved their goals. There are plenty of examples of theories as to how um revolution can be uh initiated and organized but we as marxists right we need to affirm that there is in fact a proper procedure not in a you know nice bureaucratic fashion uh, fashion as uh other leftists might accuse us of. But it is, in fact, a procedure which takes advantage of the material conditions that exist under capitalism and uses them as a tool to overthrow capitalism. And here's what I mean. So, Many, many, many have written about this. The most important ones, and I know folks hate hearing this, but the most important ones in order to get a purely foundational understanding are Marx and Engels. Um, Lenin does a great job writing about these things as well, but we have to understand here that under capitalism, right, There is a certain amount of socialization that occurs. What that means is that under capitalism, because of the way that things are to be produced, it requires a connectivity of many proletarians in order to produce something. So... In days like Marks and Angles. It was. The manufacturers. And the factories. This was. A. Different. Form of production. Than the previous ones. Where. Small. Uh, individual. Producers. Or guilds. Of small groups, right, who were producing for themselves and for their own profit through the fruits of their own labor, through their ownership or ability to purchase the means of production that they need to produce a good, all of that production going towards their own ends and the profit going into their own pocket. This began to change as capitalism Uh, kind of marched forward. So, the process by which that Marx and Engels, as well as many others, uh, chose to... the, The way in which they chose to use these material conditions was realizing that this was the closest to... Uh, unity by act of no other than the capitalist system itself, by which the working and oppressed people could see their own struggles in each other, could be suffering under the same roof, could be oppressed and repressed by the same state apparatuses, by the same uh, police force and military force, by the same laws, but especially by the same exploiters, right? Because under capitalism, you have a direct relationship where your whole fucking life Is dependent on your ability to work a job in order to earn a wage. Welcome to capitalism. Everything costs money. If you don't have it, you got to work for it. If you don't work for it, you don't get it. And if you don't get it, you die. Welcome to capitalism. Marx and Engels understood that this was a material condition that the working class could capitalize on because, in this sense, they would be unified in their struggles. And the more and more conscious of that they became, the more and more that their organization could be developed to a um, revolutionary end. So prior to a lot of Marx and Engels theories, right, you had the actual Uh, you know, kind of like unconscious explosion of the working class. Um, It was what was called for a while the machine smashing era, where basically, you know, all throughout the early, I, I should say the late 1700s and the early 1800s, there was plenty of, you know, working class uprisings all over the world, because those conditions of exploitation and oppression still existed. However, they were not revolutionary in the sense that they didn't really understand or really seem to intend on being able to overthrow the ruling class and take power That wasn't necessarily something that they had a great idea of either, A, that that's what they need to do. Not everyone, even though I'm sure there were some who called for that shit. Um, Many of them didn't go for that, right? Because very few were politically conscious. Um, And on top of that, they didn't really have the level of organization that they needed. Because at this period of time... It was mainly small artisans, shopkeepers, merchants, etc. Very, very few people within society. However, again, we're talking about capitalist uh, um, progression here. And as capitalism progressed, fewer and fewer people uh, were able to work for themselves. Fewer and fewer people were participating in... um, Production through the means of serfdom and small agriculture, now industry was developing. And so, therefore, the socialization of the working class began to develop in small manufacturers and factories. So, this was a material condition that Marx and Engels had realized that could be capitalized on. Hey, all these motherfuckers are under the same roof. So, they started trying to figure out how to give the needs of the working class people, a true ability to become a reality. So they use the material conditions that existed in front of them to try to devise scientifically through analyzing, again, the very foundations of society, not by trying to come up with what would be a good idea, but what could actually work under the given society as it exists. Now, this is kind of a difference between the left generally and Marxists. Is Marxists for time eternal, true Marxists, not just Marxists in word, but true Marxists who are principled have understood that the most necessary tool of revolution the most necessary mechanism by which the working class is not only able to overthrow the ruling class, but is able to instate itself as a power in order to govern itself, rather than having a revolution and then just getting taken over again. Um, They understand that You have to first build consciousness of the workers. So we need to continue doing agitation. We got to keep pointing out all the shit that's wrong with society every fucking day. I don't care how minuscule it is. Point it out. Talk about it. Mention it to your friends. Bring it up to people at your work. Um, The second thing we need to do is we need to propagandize. Now, The best way that we can do this is really just talking about how simplistic the fact that capitalism produces things for profit. Those profits go to a few people. You and I work our lives away and yet probably won't even get retirement until we're like 80. So, I mean, that's an easy way to propagandize. But Marxists need to be doing a much better job of presenting a Marxist line. Um, talking about very commonly debated issues, um, very uh, um, prevalent uh, forms of exploitation to the general working class, and presenting them in a truly um, material uh, uh, way, presenting them as a Marxist would, right? So, propagandizing then is teaching, but teaching correctly, Because as we've discussed, there are a lot of different ideas, a lot of different ways that people want to try to fix the problems that we're having today. But Marx and Engels laid out a precise theory, the working class's science, that showed that by first building political consciousness and then building political power, which is clearly understood in the book Black Power, Politics of Black Liberation in America by Stokely Carmichael, um, and I forget who the co-author is, but fantastic book. He discusses that political power is the ability for a group of organized people to take power from the ruling class. Now, that doesn't you know, mean that, okay, let's fucking all go run for elections. No, that means building a force which is capable of actually taking power. So, I mean, fuck, if Bernie Sanders became president, would that be taking political power? No, because guess what? Not only is Bernie not actually working towards true socialism and doing a fantastic fucking job of confusing people about socialism. um, So keep an eye on that. Same with AOC. Um, but even if he were to win, dude's hella outnumbered. That's not political power. And besides that, the majority of people don't know anything about socialism. They're not pro-Bernie Sanders. Even the young working class who would have loved to see a Bernie uh, uh, presidency, many of whom they only wanted their situations to get better because we're all suffering. But we need to take that individualism And we need to be pushing collectivism. That's why another form of agitation and propaganda that we need to have is the fact that there is no fucking community in the United States. There's no connection. There's no organization. People do not give a shit about one another. They do not talk to one another. They do not work with one another to solve their collective problems. They care about their own selves. This individualism and this sense of self Needs to be fought as well. So we need to agitate about the fact that this actually ends up hurting people because if you only help out yourself, if you only complain about your own needs, and if you only t- try to work towards kind of making your situation temporarily better, A, when shit hits the fan, nobody's going to care because all you did was help yourself. And B, when, you know, your number kind of comes up and either you get fired from that cushy job or you lose the money or. You know, for example, that Judas in the Black Messiah movie, right? What, what the fuck did the dude get from overthrowing the, uh, the, like, getting Fred Hampton killed and being a CIA informant? You know what he got? He got suicide. He fucking killed himself because he's a fucking, he's a fucking rat and he's a piece of shit. And it only took the fucking uh, interview of him discussing his role in getting Fred Hampton killed to kill him that's all it took was them talking about it. That was how guilty he was because he knew he was a fucking piece of shit. And eventually that individualism will catch up with us as well. And we'll find out that we're pieces of shit. And we'll find out that, guess what? Shit's going to hit the fan for us too. And the capitalists are realizing it now. And we need to capitalize on this moment because We need to be propagandizing that together, the working class and oppressed people are able to solve our problems a million times better than the ruling class even could if they wanted to, which they don't. Because real easy to understand, and speaking of Fred Hampton, you can look up his interview, or his court trial, where he explains this to the jury, where you have, The ruling class and the working class, and this is upper and this is lower. And this is lower because this upper keeps them down, right? And in order to get that lower to be uh, uh, the upper, to eradicate all of that, they have to overthrow that upper. And the only way to do that is through a proletarian revolution. And a proletarian revolution takes revolutionary organizing, it takes political power, it takes solidarity, and it takes violent, proletarian revolution. Um, plainly put, that's it. Um, if you don't agree with this, like, I can't help you. That's not my role here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is why socialism is necessary. Because, also, as you will find if you watch Hakeem's latest video, um, statistically, it's provided far more for quality of life, for education, for health care, for... Um, uh, um, Uh, like solving poverty, for eradicating uh, discrimination of races, of gender identity, etc., of correcting economic problems within society. Socialism is the process by which the working and oppressed people take the reins of society for themselves and work towards ending their problems. That is the most revolutionary and most necessary thing that we need to be working towards today. How do we do it? We organize. We agitate. We propagandize. Talk to people. Build study ins. Have teachings about socialism. Have teachings about domestic violence. Have teachings that can bring people together and get them talking with one another. And then use those opportunities to discuss why socialism, why proletarian revolution, and why the uniting of the working and oppressed people is the only way that society will change. Because otherwise. Not only do the ruling class have no interest in helping us, because by helping us, by giving us health care, by giving us money, by giving us everything that we need, they become less and less wealthy. They become less and less powerful. It is directly against their interest to assist the working class. So if we want that to change, we need to be in fucking power. So let's do it. Build political power, a force which is capable of overthrowing the ruling class and its stating itself as a ruling class and then capable of defending itself and eradicating the issues that society has created because of capitalist and bourgeois society. In order to erase that, we have to erase capitalist bourgeois society, the state that exists underneath it and the ruling class system as a whole. If you're still listening to this, thank you very much. It means the world. I hope that this was educational and easily understood. I hope I explained my points concretely and made my argument uh, well enough that people can either, uh, at the very least, understand it and agree or disagree with it. Um, Again, thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you next time. Stay safe, folks. Stay revolutionary and have a great fucking day. Long live the People's Revolution long live scientific socialism, and long live Marxism. Have a great day.